Uh, hello there and good morning and welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. And for anyone else who wants to join us, it's free. <laughs> My name is Melvin Gaines. Thank you for being here this morning. We appreciate each and every one of you being here. We're going to play a musical selection, Douglas Miller and the True Way Choir. Um, Church of God in Christ, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength is, is coming from that album. The song is Pass Me Not. It's one of those songs we're playing from before that we used to play that uh, will probably keep us in good stead. So let's go ahead and get started with the music, and thanks for being here this morning. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Florinda. Good morning, Roscoe. Thank you for being here today. It also might be beneficial that it's on YouTube Music. We'll see. Thanks for being here this morning. Cindy Phillips, good morning. Good morning. This is our time of fellowship. Electronic time, but fellowship nonetheless. Arlen, good morning. Let's see how it goes. Should be good. Thanks for being here. If you're listening, it occurs to me that maybe YouTube music might be the difference in this. We'll have to see, as opposed to the actual YouTube. But I don't know that for sure. We'll find out. Might be a good thing. Angie, how you doing? to dwell on it. The fact of the matter is some artists are more guarded about their content. And that's what some are not, which is fine by me. For uh, the purposes of what we're using it for, it's still holding your... <laughs> don't, don't hold your breath until you pass out. It's okay. In the uh, Department of Life, it's a small thing. It really is. <laughs> Have some coffee. <laughs> Take a stretch. It's okay. Good morning, everyone, for who's just joining us. Thanks for being here. occurred to me this is the one change we've made with Sunday school where we have music before Sunday school because of the pandemic right it's all good yeah amen Joanna and Charles good morning
We're still on the air. Amen. Amen. Brother Nate Marnell and Terry, I'm going to guess all three of you, not sure, but good morning. Welcome, Pacific Standard Time. Those are the true early birds. Although I think sometimes you guys are like this Eastern time zone the way you're not sure how what time you get up in the morning. <laughs> Amen. 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 All right. That was uh Douglas Miller. Douglas Miller, Pass Me Not, uh featuring the True Way Choir, uh Church of God in Christ. Douglas Miller and the True Way Choir. What a great selection. And thank you again, Arlen, uh, for uh, hanging in there with us <laughs> and making sure everything is going well. Good morning, Ann and Larry. Um, good morning, Lurcio. I welcome. Thanks for being here. We are going to go ahead and get into the announcements before we get into uh, the Sunday School lesson for today. Uh, a great lesson on the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We're kind of finishing up on where we were from last week uh, before we move into the next segment. Praise the Lord. Um, first of all, um, online here, following our Sunday school class. Um, oh, yeah, thank you for the reminder, too. Um, where Pastor Gus's message will be on the, Christ, on the Christian and racism, which is a kind of a uh, follow-up uh, uh, conclusion for uh, Black History Month. You know, there's always history. Black history, of course, is always American history as well, too, but we give a special focus to it during Black History Month. Um, uh, about history, but one thing that we want to look at too about history in the past is that how are we to respond as believers to racism, and what is our response? What should our response be when it comes to how the Word convicts us and helps us to change our attitudes? And you have to understand that racism is not just a white-black thing. It's it's all of us have an impact, have been impacted by it, and have and and have a responsibility within it. So please stay tuned for those of you who are going to be staying online with us to Pastor Gus's message on the Christian and racism. Very insightful information uh, being provided about uh, a biblical example of it and showing what the response should be. Um, and the Holy Spirit has to be the one that does all the teaching on this. Amen. I mean, that's what really it is all about if we are sensitive to the Spirit. Bev Parkman, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, we're going to be praying for you. Uh, we'll get to that in one moment. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you uh, remembering that and making sure that you are sending those in for those of you who are uh, interested in making a contribution to the church. Uh, if you're not going to be in Akron to do so. Um, Jojo, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Um, if you are mailing your tithes and offerings, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate your contributions to make sure that the church is running and operating. We will be having church later at 11 o'clock in the building. 
So we are in the building, and we appreciate anyone who wants to help us with, to defray costs and take care of things. Good morning. Um, we also have at 5 o'clock today, Eastern Time, a Zoom Bible study. Zoom Bible study is uh, coming up at 5 o'clock, 2 o'clock Pacific Time. If you are interested in participating in the Zoom Bible study, it is by invitation only. You must submit uh, your email address to us to be able to get the... And you have to have Zoom on your device. Whatever device you're using, you're going to have to have Zoom at least downloaded and ready to go on your device. That's how you can participate. And you would just send your email address to Alliance at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we need the right. We need the email to be able to send you the invitation so you can be involved with the Bible study. That's the whole point. But so it's not, it's not exclusive, right? It's anybody who wants to participate. Okay, we got a couple of people to pray for here. JoJo is uh, asking for prayer as well too, uh, just because of her how she's feeling right now. And I was going to mention Bev Park, but we're going to pray for her as well too. Uh, this is in no way anything that's in hindering from our Sunday school time. We do. What is necessary as far as prayer is concerned when anyone comes forward and asks for it. So, okay, and we're going to pray for you right now, Jojo. So let's um, thank you for sharing, and we're going to do that right now. So let's everybody join in. Let's pray for Jojo, who's online with us right now. Uh, Father, we just uh, lift Jojo up to you right now because of the turmoil that she is experiencing and her family is experiencing right now. Um, uh, her daughter has left the home right now, and Lord, we just pray right now that you just overshadow her with your presence. Lord, if there is a way for you to come closer, please do so. <clears throat> we recognize that you are always with us and always have been with us, but we recognize now, Lord, that we go through periods of time where we're going to have to go through a struggle or a suffering, and we don't understand it. We don't know where it always comes from. Except we do know that we have an adversary we have to be wary of. But, Lord, you are greater than any adversary that comes up against us. And, Lord, we pray right now that you'll provide peace and comfort for JoJo and her family right now. For the daughter who's missing, I pray that she that's left home, I pray that she returns and goes back to the home. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with them right now, and I pray that you'll just... Help all of us just to take a deep breath and recognize your presence. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now we're going to pray for Bev Parkman because Bev, um, uh, doggone it, uh, had a, took a fall and is going to have some surgery tomorrow to get some plates installed to repair her busted up ankle. Um, because that's what we need to do, right? Amen. We need to do that. So we're going to be praying right now for Bev Parkman because she's with us online. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, and Laura, good morning. Thanks for being here. God bless you too. So let's pray for Bev and pray for her uh, healing as well too and recovery uh, and for her upcoming surgery tomorrow. Father, thank you for Bev. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just um, help her through this situation where uh, Lord, you provide healing for her ankle, healing in the way of the doctors and the surgery upcoming tomorrow to help to stabilize it, get that under control for to facilitate healing. I thank you, Lord, that nothing worse happened when Bev took the fall. I thank you that you just kept her upright enough 
But, Lord, we sometimes have to get some things repaired and fixed. And, Lord, this is an opportunity for us just to appeal to you to provide healing, strength, energy, and comfort in the midst of all of this to Bev as she undergoes the procedure. Bless us and keep us now, Lord, as we just have a mindset and remain mindful of others who are in need of prayer for situations like this and many others that we may that may come to mind as the Spirit brings it to heart. We thank you, give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now we've prayed there, and we appreciate everyone appealing to us. And Jojo, hang in there. Bev, hang in there as well, too. We love the fact that we have this fellowship chime. That that kind of makes up a, a very important announcement I want to make about fellowship time. You know, I know that... Um, a lot of people have been wanting our church to get back to doing the Bible studies and, and things like that in the church. And in due course, it's going to happen. I think we all want that. But please keep in mind, just like what we mentioned with the Zoom Bible study and what we're doing here right now, this is our fellowship time. We have fellowship time outside of church, and this is it. And we just want to encourage everyone to join us online because you see the power of prayer when people come together and uh, have these live sessions. That's what this is all about. And so we don't want people lamenting, oh, I wish I could get back. I wish I could get back. Well, what if the Lord says it's, we can't get back? So what do you do? You you make an adjustment. You you try to fix things where you can get to uh, others online. We can do this. And as long as we can do this, it just seems to me that it's beneficial for everyone to uh, participate in this manner. So uh, I'm just going to make sure that you understand that we've had this fellowship time available all for the last couple of years after we had to go home. We had to go home and had church at home. And, and so we need to understand that this is our fellowship time. This is how we do it. And we appreciate the fact that you understand that if there's others who want to get online with us, who cannot get online for whatever reason, or if there's an issue where they don't quite know what to do, then just ask. We can help provide information. We've been doing this all along. And so I want to make sure that we understand that it's already been available it's much easier for a lot of people to participate we have people online who just simply ask how to do it and they got online and they're here with us so i think it's just a matter of keeping those priorities in order understanding that we do have the fellowship time we would love to be back in church no question i don't want to be, i don't want this to be a controversial statement it's not it, we we would love to be able to do those things but the reality is it's not that easy or not that simple to do that right now right now now, will we be doing it later on in the year? Of course, we, there's a possibility of that. But what if we don't? In the meantime, don't wait. Just get online with us, amen? That's how you, you deal with the situation. We'll have the fellowship time. Make sure Vegas knows we're staying online with and, everybody. And make sure <laughs> Vegas, let Vegas know that? Um, oh, you were talking about the people yeah. Oh, out in, out in the Pacific time zone. Yeah, we'll be online regardless, amen. Yeah, we're we're going to always do this online from now on, so it, it, the way that's working out. So we want to encourage people, whether we're fellowshipping uh, online here or at the church, whatever, we're going to do the online Bible study, online Sunday school, um, Zoom Bible study for as long as people want to participate. Interestingly enough, Zoom Bible study. We send about 40 invitations out by email address every time. We get about six people. Well, you know, we send the invitations. That's all we can do. You know, you just have to encourage people to participate. And everybody has things going on. We get that. But we have a set time for this, so it's not a surprise. We always do it on the fourth Sunday of the month. And we, we, we try to make sure that we stay true to that schedule, barring any unforeseen circumstances or something like that. Five o'clock today, Eastern Time. We'll, hopefully we'll see you. Amen. Okay. 
I covered all those announcements. I thank you again for your uh, Greg and Carolyn. Greg and Carolyn, good morning. Uh, thanks for being here as well, too. We're going to go ahead and get into our study on biblical inerrancy. We appreciate everyone's thoughts and prayers for those mentioned, and we want to just keep moving forward. So remember, again, online, uh, Pastor Gus's message will follow Sunday school immediately after Sunday school is over. It will be online here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. Okay, so back to the study of biblical inerrancy. We're going to pray because I want to make sure that, first of all, I'm coherent <laughs> in my... Uh, good morning, Lisa. I'm coherent in my mentioning uh, the study. I uh, just want to do that. So let's go ahead and pray right now. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to seek you and understand you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you for the prophecy that has been fulfilled. And Lord, we anticipate that there will be much more fulfillment to take place going forward. We thank you, Lord, for how you have just given us this complete knowledge and understanding of your goodness. And Lord, we understand that this survey that we're taking of biblical inerrancy will help us to be strengthened, encouraged, and reinforced that we indeed want to serve you and only you. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to... Uh, let's make it Luke chapter 24, verse 44. I want to take a look at that passage first as we get into the study of biblical inerrancy. And it's a reminder, it's a passage that we have seen before, but it's one that is very notable. Uh, Luke 24, 44 is what I want to focus on right now. Uh, just 44. Just Luke 24, 44. And, of course, you can read around that, but I want to focus on this particular verse uh, just to give you uh, insight as to why we're having this study and why we're doing this. And as a reminder, it says in Luke 24:44 in the New Living Translation, Then he said, he being Jesus, said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the, and in the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Must be fulfilled. Well, this is Jesus speaking that everything that he was being prophesied, remember, what is he referring to? In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. That's all in the Old Testament. Everything that's mentioned there is in the Old Testament. And last week we spent a, a little bit of time in uh, Psalm 22. I want to go to Psalm 22, and I want to go through that because we didn't really read it the way I would have liked to, but time was very fleeting, and we wanted to get to certain areas of the, of, uh, uh, the, the lesson that we were referring to. And, of course, right now, of course, you might have guessed that this lesson, as a continuation, is going to be talking about the fulfillment of prophecy. It's very important for us as believers to understand that the Bible that we believe in, the Bible that we trust in, the Bible that we um, want to follow, read, study, and put a lot of time into. Uh, if you're living in God's image, it's about investigating the word because we say that reading is insufficient. It's about investigating it. That means you're going to be going to verses and doing cross-references and kind of like what this study is doing as well too. But let's look at Psalm 22. I want to look at something. You know, first of all, David wrote this. David, these are songs that are being written. Songs, we can say they're songs, they're poetry, whatever however you want to refer to it, 
Um, we're not going to go through the entire psalm, but I want to go through some key passages within this psalm to set up some things. I understand something. Remember, when, when David is writing this, this is being written in a prophetic manner because we recognize that the very first verse is something that Jesus declares on the cross. It says, For the choir director, a psalm of David to be sung to the tune of Doe, Doe of the Dawn. It's an actual song. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Now that, that, pat, that verse sentence there, that's what Jesus said on the cross. That's prophecy. Um, and then it keeps, it keeps going. Verse 2, every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Now, some of this is infused with even David's appeals to God for safety and protection. But this is how miraculous this type of passage is. It's referring to David wanting security, but it's also prophetic in the message of who Jesus is and what he would actually say and do. And it says in verse 3, Yet you are you holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. Verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Where can you see that in Scripture? Remember what the soldiers were saying? Remember what was being said when Jesus was on the cross? They were saying, let the Lord save him if the Lord loves him so much. Um, is, he, is he calling for Elijah? Remember, you have to go back and look at the dialogue in those passages within the Gospels, and you'll see that. Um, verse, and I, I'm not going to go flipping back and forth right now. That's not the point of this. I want you just to introduce you to why this, this particular subject about biblical inerrancy is very important. If the Bible is false, if the Bible cannot prophesy of events as it's done, and if it doesn't come true, then that automatically discredits Scripture, doesn't it? Discredits it. We've had a lot of people make prophecies over the years, and some of those prophecies were foolish prophecies because uh, a lot of them were, I think, acting more on the flesh than they were on actually acting on what God has said very clearly in his word. No one knows the day or hour or time when Jesus is returning, and yet here we are. We have people saying we're going to give you a time and a date and a reference to that very thing. And so we need to understand that if, if God's word must stand on its own, and it does, it does so because it is consistent, it is accurate, it has given us a lot of information that's helped us. Let's drop down to verse 11 in Psalm 22. Do not stay far from me. For trouble is near, and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My bones are out of joint. What happens when Jesus was put on the cross? What happens? See, there's dislocation that takes place because of the weight uh, his weight of the body, it actually, uh, that's the reason why his crucifixion is, is brutal because there's a suffocation that's taking place when you're on the cross. And so when you talk about your bones being out of joint, that's what w w is being referred to, I believe, here. Uh, verse 16, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced 
my hands and feet. The piercing of Jesus' hands and feet, we are well aware of. We are aware of that. That was the method of crucifixion that the Romans used back at that time. Um, and that it was exactly what they did. I can count on my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Now that's straight up what we referred to last week as prophecy of how Jesus' clothing was divided upon him and the way it was done and how it was done. Um, and that, that essentially is what I wanted to cover in Psalm 22 to show you how the Old Testament um, has a ton of prophecy in it and there are things that were fulfilled in relation to Jesus, and Jesus declared that himself in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. So let's move on from there and continue with there, but I wanted to read that passage and just give you the insight. In order for you to really believe that Jesus is the one who is prophesied about, you've got to get into the Word, you've got to study it, and you have to read it. And we are blessed to be able to do Sunday school. Not a lot of churches are doing Sunday school and I don't, you know, I don't want to be critical of that, but that's so important. Um, and if you're not, if the church is, that you're with is not doing Sunday school, then you, you're going to have to take it upon yourself to do some reading, studying, and what we refer to in living in God's image as investigating. You have to investigate. It's like you're doing the proper research. Remember I said that there is a, a court case um, when you want to provide evidence, whether to make sure that you have enough information to uh, convict someone, and there has to be enough evidence to do so. You are the investigator when it comes to God's Word. If you want evidence of God's presence in your life, you've got to get into the Word and search after Him, seek after Him, read and study His Word. That's why we have always given emphasis about the investigative approach to looking at Scripture. So, how in the world, by looking at this passage, getting back to the study by Dr. Bill McRae and, and easing into the end of this study. How can a person um, look at a verse like this in Psalm 22 and look at it and say, you know, this is something that, how could they know? How could David know something like this was going to occur in the Old Testament? Well, let's first of all understand that he may not have known. Uh, he may not have had complete understanding about what this is. I think that we need to understand that there were many times where prophecy was mentioned and stated in Scripture, but the people who uh, God's Word also says that they didn't know everything that they were going to, that everything they were talking about or everything that was going to be experienced by those who would be the ones who would be around Jesus at the time, who would recognize his presence. They didn't always know. And so that's okay that they didn't know. It, honestly, that's what we need to understand about what biblical prophecy is. Who is the one who's giving this information? It's God is the one who is giving those people the information to be able to record it and make note of it. And you have to understand that there are hundreds of biblical prophecies that have this reference, where a reference of Jesus or his coming, there are many, many different passages that refer right back to Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about a revelation from God, which is what we were picking up now from, from the last time, the revelation from God is this prophecy being fulfilled. It was something that came directly from him. It was basically prophesied. Of course it was pro not basically. It was prophesied. don't want to use 
current lingo, when I use the accurate lingo, it was prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin. It was prophesied that he would be born of the tribe of Judea, uh, of the family of David. He would be born in Bethlehem, and that's just uh, the beginning of it. And it is just a tremendous thing to see all of these different things that would take place. And all of those things were prophesied in the Old Testament. So as we look at these prophecies and how many there are and how they are varied in nature, and yet every one of them has come true when it comes to uh, Jesus Christ, we have to look at it and say, you know what? There has to be a revelation from God that this indeed is what's happening because who is going to know better about when Jesus was going to return or when Jesus was going to be uh, when Jesus would be born and then when Jesus is going to be returned who better knows that than God himself amen God is the one who is is providing this information for us how could we not how could we see these things how could we read about these things if it were not for the revelation of God providing this information to the ones who record the, the original scriptures. How could we know? How would we know? Would we know without God's revelation? And the answer is no, we, there's no way we could. We, we couldn't come up with, you know, sometimes we, we, we're wonder, it's a wonder that God gives us imagination, and it is a gift indeed to have imagination. And, of course, imagination... Uh, when it comes to the biblical sense or looking at the Lord and how he indeed uh, provides us with comfort, we recognize that because we have seen evidence of God in our lives, we can rely upon him for future events. Just like the whole idea of this stopping this morning and praying, spending time in prayer, um, because we have the expectation of a good outcome to prayer because we've had evidence of a uh, outcomes of prayer being very beneficial as well too god gives us the ability to recognize the importance to stop what we're doing and pray and i think that's a very important test to give to god as well too when he there's nothing wrong with uh, just saying try him out come and see uh seek him out ask him put him at the forefront give him his due when it comes to who he is how he has an impact on our lives he just says, come and see. He has said that, and I, I think that we need to understand that that's what, exactly what we need to do when we look at how God has indeed fulfilled his prophecy when it comes to Jesus Christ. Um, we have to put the Bible to the test, and when we put the Bible to the test, uh, it will help us to see the fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, there's no other religious book no other book that we're aware of will put itself any test, let alone the test of fulfillment of prophecy. That includes any other religions or any other books of religion um, when it comes to prophecy. Um, they don't stand on prophecy as a promise. They just basically make statements. But the Bible stands on not just making statements, but statements of truth and the fulfillment of prophecy. That is where we have to go back to and recognize it. So... We have more evidence, and we're looking at the unity of the Bible when we talk about how the Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament work together to convey uh, the message of Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior. Um, there is unity in the Bible, and we love that. That word unity is, is very commonly used. It's, 
is something that we always want to strive for when it comes to relationships between people. We want to see unity. We want to see a, a, a coming of understanding. We have to understand something, too, that uh, the church has not always been unified. Um, that is something that I believe will be very interesting for us to see um, when it comes to certain matters uh, related to history. But it's up to the people of the church, the people who are all following Jesus Christ, those who are truly living and desire to live for Christ, uh, no matter who you are, what color you are, that that's the unity that we always will strive for. Um, but the Bible stands alone in its uh, fact of unity. We have to understand that um, it gives us enough information to be able to live in such a manner where we can treat people the way they deserve to be treated and should be treated when it comes to understanding that God is the one who is involved in uh, reaching and, and dealing with other people, dealing with all people, no matter where they come from or what they're doing. And boy, oh boy, I read something this morning. I don't know if I can find it. Doggone it. I read something this morning um, that actually talks about that. Let's see if I can find it really quick. I don't know if I'll be able to or not. Um, well, let me check something. I, we, we, we do these things, and, I, and I, was, I probably should have been ready for this, but I probably wasn't ready for it. But um, I'm going to try and find it real quick, so bear with me as I look for it. But this is exactly what we want to be able to do when it comes to studying and reading our Bible and making sure that we are looking at different uh, ways of evidence as far as scripture is concerned. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, let's go to, I think it's Romans chapter 3. Hold on. Romans 3. Uh, Romans chapter 3. Let's see. I don't think that's what I wanted. Well, I was looking for a passage I read this morning, and I, I um, it, it had to do with unity. It had to do with unity in the body and making sure that people are being treated the right way. Hold on one second. Let's try this again. We can do this. Romans 14. Romans chapter 14. Sorry about that. I was in the right ballpark. Romans 14. That's right. Go to Romans 14, chapter 1. I want to look at this real quick. Romans 14, verse 1. Start with verse 1. It's going to be Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Thank you. Romans 14, verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 9. Romans 14, verse 1 through 9. This is about unity. Now, here's the thing. This is a, it's not talking about race, but it is talking about people. And we have people of different colors and stuff uh, that, of course, are, are going to be doing both of these things. It says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. That promotes unity. Let's start with that. Uh, that's the first thing that we have to look at here. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. 
for God has accepted them. We need to make sure that we're always approaching life where we recognize that these are all people who are created by God. God is the one who created them. They may have differences in how they do things or how they see things in life, but God has accepted them for who they are. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable because it's all about you and your approach. It has nothing to do with what other people are doing. And we have to understand that too. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. The purpose of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us is being fulfilled here. To be the Lord both of the living and of the dead. And that's Lord over all who have ever lived. That's the whole point of what Jesus Christ did for us. But I wanted to show that to you from the standpoint of unity. There is amazing unity in the Bible. If we could only practice the same unity that God uh, has shown us in Scripture as far as how it matches up with the Old and New Testament. But that unity is very important. And the unity can be traced in regard to what? The plan of salvation. What did it say in verse 9? Christ died and rose again for this very purpose to be Lord of both the living and the dead. That's the plan of salvation. That's being mentioned right here in the passage. And so we need to understand that um, the plan of salvation was a plan that was in place before we even were conceived, before we knew anything. It was in place uh, before Adam and Eve were created. It was there because God knew we would need a plan for salvation. And the unity of the Bible testifies to the single authorship who was revealing what's been recorded, being recorded. That's God himself. The revelation of God is what we're referring to here. So we also recognize that this importance of understanding about evidence of biblical fulfillment of prophecy is, of course, the unity. And now we've got the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Accuracy. Historical and scientific accuracy. It's a revelation from God. This is also an indication. Take a look at Leviticus 17. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Leviticus 17. And it says in Leviticus 17, 11, for those of you who are following along in your Bibles and electronic devices, um, for the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Now, without getting into too much of the obvious, we recognize that without blood, without blood circulating through our bodies and helping for us being pumped through by our heart, we wouldn't live. We would be kaput. Um, that's a uh, when someone bleeds out, that means that they don't have enough blood to be able to carry on 
um, their life. And so that's the sad part of that. But that's where we, so we know that from a, history, a scientific fact that we have to have blood. But we read about it being the life of the flesh is in the blood. It's a remarkable statement to make. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And it was William Harvey just a few centuries ago who was the one who discovered the circulation of the blood. He discovered that that was in fact the case. And the life of the flesh was in the blood. The whole life principle of the flesh related to the blood is that we, are, we need blood. It had to be the one thing that God recognized as a way of purification, a way of purification. And so we understand that. And Leviticus 17 gives us information and helps us with this. So we have evidence, we have information that shows that the Bible is a direct revelation from God based upon the information we've been presenting for, the, for last week and also this week is, is that too. Um, and we know because we have information that God has used the phrase, thus saith the Lord, that the Lord speaks, the Lord has said, the Lord says. These are all information that indicates that the revelation that we read about Revelation of God and fulfillment of prophecy is that God spoke it. God is the one who is saying these things, and we read about that in Scripture. How important is it for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to stay in the Word? You can't really put a greater importance on it than what it already is. It's already very important. It's a necessary thing. It's something that we really cannot neglect. It's something that we have to stay in tune to. If we want to hear God speak to us, if we want to see how he responds in prayer, as we've done this morning, we need to stay in his word and stay focused on him. Things happen in our lives that are unfortunate. Things happen in our lives that cause us to grieve. Things happen in our lives that we hurt. But it should give us a greater desire to not shun God, but to go directly to him for his comfort. For it, As a matter of worship, I mean, it's really something that we need to do. So we recognize that fulfillment of prophecy, the unity of the Bible, and the accuracy of the Bible is very important for us to understand that the Bible is indeed inerrant. I've got some other passages I want to look at as well, too. And no other religion in the world except for the Bible uh, through Christianity is what we're referring to as being the most important thing. The Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Hindu Vedas, all the other sacred religious writings um, boast no fulfilled prophecies in them. This is a, a segment that was written by Kurt Blattman. I want to give him credit, credit for it. Kurt Blattman uh, wrote about uh, the Bible and fulfilled prophecy. Uh, actually, he wrote it last year uh, in March. And it's a very quick thing. I just wanted to share this with you because it's important. it kind of summarizes what we've been talking about. Um, what is prophecy? Uh, since we look at talk about what prophecy is, what is prophecy? The declaration of future events, such as no human wisdom or forecast is sufficient to make. Did you get that? What is biblical prophecy? What is prophecy? The declaration of future events, such as no human wisdom or forecast is sufficient to make. We've got all kinds of prognosticators out there, people who give predictions, right? People who tell us who's going to win this, who's going to do that, what's going to happen next. But when we talk about what really matters, amen, what really matters is that 
we look at what God's word says so that we can recognize that everything that God's word has spoken about has come true or will come true. We believe that. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the one who has to give us this knowledge and insight and wisdom. Because to everybody else, that statement was a foolish statement. Anyone who doesn't believe in God's word will think it's a foolish statement. And of course, they're going to think it's a foolish statement because Satan wants them to stay in that plane of thinking that what we as believers do and what we stand for, what we stand on, is a foolish thing. Understand something, too. Attacks against Christianity, attacks against Christians, are not necessarily attacks against the people or the individuals. They're attacks against Jesus Christ. Because we, as believers, do what? Represent Jesus Christ. That is what we are supposed to do. And so when we look at the fulfillment of prophecy, um, the Bible rightly foretold events, oftentimes hundreds of years in advance. We have to understand something about what the Old Testament does and the separation from the New Testament. There's a 400-year gap from the last writings uh, supposedly going in the Old Testament, um, a 400-year gap to the New Testament when Jesus actually did come about. So even if you just take that year, that number 400, 400 years uh, where there is a fulfillment of prophecy, time had to go by, uh, substantial time, generations of people living and dying um, had to go by before we could actually see the evidence of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, all the things that are, we read about and study about in the New Testament. There are hundreds of specific, detailed prophecies. And when we talk about the prophecies, there's also the fate of many biblical cities that were in question as well, too. Rise and fall of cities like Nineveh, uh, Babylon, Moab, Gaza, Tyre, uh, Samaria, and many others were given in vivid detail in the scriptures. Those cities that existed at some point do not exist anymore. and Or they exist in a different form or they're, they're completely different altogether. And understand that Yes, I mentioned the number 400. Um, there are 300 different prophecies, for example, in the Old Testament. More than that, probably, but uh, 300 are referenced here in this particular text but, that I'm reading. But there's a sample of them. Um, take a look at Micah. Go to Micah chapter 5. And we need to see these things, everybody. We need to look at this and look at it for what it is. Um, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Uh, Micah 5, verse 2. And Micah is one of the more lesser-known prophets, but yet here he makes a statement that is prophetic about Jesus and who would, when he would emerge and where he would emerge. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, Ephrathah are only a small village among the, all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Now, who is speaking here? God is speaking in this passage, referring to a, um, an origin in the distant past. Distant past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were all present at the time of creation, all present John chapter 1 says that Jesus was in the, there in the very beginning. He was there as part of all creation. He was the one who created all things. He is the one who is emerging 
according to this prophecy from Bethlehem, um, a ruler of Israel will come to you on my behalf. That's prophecy. Um, Isaiah 7.14 says Jesus will be born of a virgin. Um, Genesis 49. Go to Genesis 49. Genesis 49, verse 10. Genesis 49, verse 10. Isaiah 7.14 was the other one. You can write these down, everybody, too. You know, um, my lovely bride is putting these up online for us to take a look at, but we can, you can also write these down as well, too, and go back and refer to them on your own for the interest of time. I can't cover everything um, with a whole lot of, uh, because we only have a couple more minutes left here in this. Genesis 49.10. Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom... It belongs the one whom all nations will honor. Well, that's a reference, that's a direct reference to Jesus Christ. And it, he is going to emerge from the tribe of Judah. And remember, Judah was being wiped out. If you look at the end of Second Chronicles and look at how King Ahaz, I believe it was, it was Ahaz, right? I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that was his name. I think so. Who, or, uh, who was basically... Uh, living in such a manner who was disobedient to God and was worshiping, frankly, the gods of his enemies. Um, I think I had that right. But the bottom line was that he was in the tribe of Judah was being obliterated at that point because of his lack of obedience and his uh, Hezekiah, who ruled in his place. Um, he is the one who restored the temple in in Judah and got people back to the place where they were worshiping and uh, people, even the priests, had to be um, uh, re, you know, uh, put into a place where they could actually serve, uh, because they were also not doing what they should have been doing, and so they had to be rededicated, reconsecrated. That's it, consecrated to be able to serve for the people there. And it was uh, Hezekiah who was telling people to get back to the Lord because we have been disobedient. No wonder we have been punished so severely because we weren't doing what we were supposed to do. But the tribe of Judah was preserved. My whole point in mentioning all of that was that the tribe of Judah was preserved because, honestly, of the actions of obedience of Hezekiah and because God knew that it was, his word would be fulfilled through the tri tribe of Judah, where Jesus would come from. Scriptures already told us how Jesus would die in Isaiah 53. Um, I, I can't read all of that because it's just too much. Um, just, it just says chapter, Isaiah 53, that's it. That's only just the entire chapter. You just look at the entire chapter. You can do that on your own. Um, go to Psalm 1610 real quick. Remember we said the prophecies were the, being fulfilled according to the Psalms as well? Now this Psalm of David. David, excuse me. A Psalm of David. <laughs> Psalm 1610. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. That's referring to a prophecy that Jesus Christ would indeed be raised from the dead. He would rise from the dead. We already read about Jesus would have his hand and feet pierced in Psalm 22, verse 16, and that Jesus would be forsaken by God, which was in verse 1. We read about that as well, too. These are all things that we know about and are aware of. Um, go real quick. One more passage we'll look at. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, 
verses 9 and 10. God is making a declaration here as well, too, uh, in this statement. Remember, Isaiah, Isaiah is merely conveying what God is giving to him to speak about. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the things I have done in the past. Talking to God, what God is saying. Remember the things I've done in the past. This is what God is saying. For I alone am God, I am God, and there is none like me. Verse 10. I can only, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Now, I do whatever I wish is a very interesting comment because that refers to the sovereignty of God. He will indeed do whatever he desires to do. That is how he operates. And that's hard for us to take sometimes when we look at how we suffer and go through things. But we are being refined. Jesus Christ, he is the great refiner. He refines us. He he shapes us. He molds us. He, Honestly, the, the, the word cuts like a knife. He helps us to grow and develop in his word. And so he's refining us sometimes by allowing things to happen in our lives to give a greater focus on what he is doing in the midst of all of that. That's the, that's the tough thing sometimes to deal with. But I hope that you can see, and I give special thanks again to Kurt Blattman's uh, writing about the Bible and fulfilled prophecy. It was a very short text, but it was very beneficial in closing out today's lesson uh, about biblical inerrancy, fulfillment of prophecy, how God is the one speaking in our lives. He continues to speak in our lives. He just asks us to stay faithful, remain in his word, look at what his word has to say, and trust in him. That is what he wants us to do. I pray that you do that uh, today and going forward. Don't ever Go back to the ways where you thought that the Bible wasn't important. The Bible is very important. The Bible is important whether you follow and believe in Jesus Christ or not. Uh, the Bible is always going to be important. And the Bible is always going to be the guide for us to get back to a healthy, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we need to recognize here. And it is through this fulfillment of prophecy that we want to see and understand that the Bible is true. It is true in every aspect of its existence. And let no one take away any words uh, that will give any indication of anything less than that. Uh, That God is the one truly speaking to us, and he has been speaking to us for a long, long time. May we pay attention to his words. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to study and hear your truth through your word. Lord, We give us the desire to seek after you more and more and trust in you. Lord, for those that we prayed for today online, we pray that you will bless them, that you will encourage them, that you will give them exactly what we prayed for. Peace, comfort, and understanding. Even when understanding may be lacking, Lord, give us the contentment in spite of all of that, that you indeed are present and that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, all that you continue to do. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We pray that you will continue with us in this study of biblical inerrancy. We're going to get some more uh, into some more goodies next week. Um, Please stay tuned online for Pastor Gus's message, The Christian and Racism. It's a great message. We pray that you'll also join us in church today. Uh, For those of you in Akron, we'll see you in a little bit. 
uh, where Pastor Gus will present the same message uh, live for the church. And we pray, Lord, that we pray that the Lord will bless you uh, and keep you uh, in this time. It's a time of great uncertainty in the world, but the Lord gives us peace and understanding as we observe all these things. Let us focus on him, and he'll be the one to give us what we need to be able to get through. Amen? You guys take care of yourselves. God bless you all, and we will see you next time.